Welcome to Sports Lounge Live, a weekly talk show covering baseball. I don't believe what I just saw. Basketball. Believe in Cleveland. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. Football. Got it at the five and into the end zone. Touchdown. Hockey. NASCAR. Green flag waves again at the World Center of Racing. Plus the latest sports news, both pro and college. Hear past talk shows on your phone by calling the conversation station or as a podcast on your iPhone, Victor Stream, or computer. Visit legendoldies.com for links to automatically connect via your computer or iPhone. Call the sports aficionados at area code 646-876-9923 and enter the PIN 287-723. 4600 followed by the pound key twice. And now, your hosts, Chris Devon, Perry Lester, Sean Platts, Robert Herrick, and Bill Sparks. Or should I say your executive producer? I guess that's what I fall <laughs> under. <laughs> anyway, I'm Bill Sparks, and welcome to Sports Lounge Live. I'm going to get out of the way because we're going to be extremely busy tonight. So, Chris, take it away. We are going to be busy. We've, we've um, got a, a couple of uh, really cool things for you. One, one thing that is going to be part of our show early on is the interview that Rob Manfred did with CNN. Uh, that was done on Thursday night about uh, the owners and commissioner's side of uh, the opening of, of baseball and their proposal. And then, of course, we've heard and then we'll talk about what the players, some players have said about it. And um, and we have a bet going. Perry and I say it's going to open. And Jeff Bennett and the uh, our executive producer in the 515 say baseball will not open this year. But, and, uh, and while we're well, on that, Chris, we do want to thank our producer in the 515. That's who actually put me in the right direction of getting this interview. So we wanted there you go. We want to give our a tip of the cap to our producer here in the 515 right. for doing that. So uh, <clears throat> so we're going to do that baseball stuff. Then we're going to do other odds and ends. <clears throat> and then, unfortunately, it's been a tough day in a uh, couple of days in sports. We've gone up to the deaths were kind of light, but we went up to about seven that we have to talk about tonight. We'll do that. Then we're going to do this day in history and uh, got a lot of things on that. Some preaknesses, some significant preaknesses. We're not going to go through all the preaknesses since World War II like we did with the derbies because that's not America's race. It's it's an important race, but we have a new date for the preakness. That's one of our odds and ends. But anyway, this yeah. is uh, show number 93. This is May 17th. Uh, 2020. And Sean will give us all information. He's got some new information for you. And then while he's got the floor, he may as well uh, do the NASCAR uh, update and uh, recap because we did have an actual sports event today, which is pretty unusual. Well, we had one and then we had sort of one with the golf skins game. It was a charity event, but I don't have the results on it. But anyway, uh, yes, we have some new ways for you to get involved. Of course, well, first of all, uh, you can still call in on Zoom the way Marty told you very eloquently on our intro. You can still call in that way if you want to hang out throughout the show, listen. You can raise your hand by star nine and alt Y and all that on Zoom by entering that code. But if you want to email us anytime th- throughout the show or throughout the week, and all things will be read on the air, so do not leave anything personal to anybody. Send that to personal email addresses, and as people get them up here, we'll let them give them out to you. But send it to Sports Lounge at allthingsradio.net, and it will be read on the air. Or if you're listening anytime throughout the week, you want to leave a comment on the phone, 800-693-0595, option number two, and say it's for the Sports Lounge. 
Okay, it's for Sports Live Live. We're still waiting on that first voice on that first voicemail. Which will happen first? Will we get the first email or the first voicemail? I don't know. Well, we've already had but, two emails that Chris and I will get into later. Yeah, we did. We okay, did. Okay, we've From already Marty, had. Okay, actually. so email one, and it's just barely up. The voicemail we've been plugging for. Yeah, two and they're months, and they're from Marty. We'll we'll point out what that stuff is about when we get to it. And the prizes, the prize for that first voicemail just keeps growing. You know, it I don't does. know what it is yet, but it keeps it's rolling it keeps over growing. big time. That's right. It just keeps rolling over. Or also now we have a number that you can dial in directly three one seven eight eight six eleven zero three. Now that is a number where you just call in and you have something to say and then hang up because. You know, it, we don't want to overload that line and everything. We don't want to cost Bill a lot of money. We don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want the legend to go broke. So that's one of those that you just call in, make your point, and then get off, so we can have. Yeah, more you can, and you don't have to make your point and just hang up. You can. We'll t- talk to you for a couple of minutes too. It's, it's yeah, a we'll talk to you. Oh yeah, no, know? we'll talk to you for a couple of minutes. But right. you, it's not a line <laughs> to hang out for the whole show. It's one of those, and we're... And if you uh, have the we'll Zoom, if you still have the info, Sean, we would still encourage people to use that Zoom info if they if they have it. Yeah, if you have it, use it, and we encourage you to... But we'll be taking calls after the Rob Manfred interview. Go ahead uh, and put... We'll go, go ahead and put out the Zoom information again there, Sean, for people. Well, was, look at, well, they already have that. Let's, uh, let's just they, Marty they put it, have did that. it about five minutes ago, actually. Yeah, Marty did it. Marty did it. So <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into actual sports, live sporting event. I watched a bit of this. It was pretty interesting. Uh, NASCAR, they had the uh, the 400. What was the name of that? Oh, the man. Heroes 400. The Heroes 400. Really now, was this, really does that mean that really money was going to go to the to some of the uh, charities for the virus, or was that what they I were doing? I think some advertising money was going, but, I mean, they're still going to make their money because this yeah. is an actual race. They're going to make the uh, – of course, the winner, Kevin Harvick, came in first, Alex Bowman second, Kirk Bush third, Chase Elliott fourth. Now, what they're going to be doing on Tuesday, there will be an Xfinity race. That's primetime on FS1. And then Wednesday primetime, they'll be doing, I believe that's also on FS1, they will be doing another cup race. And Darlington, both of those will be then, 8 o'clock start. Yeah, both of those are 8 o'clock. And Sunday night, about it'll be going on while we're on here, the traditional Coca-Cola 600 from, uh, that will be going from Charlotte. And then Monday, they'll do the Memorial, uh, Memorial Day, they will do the truck race. Tuesday, they will do the... Uh, Xfinity race, and then Wednesday they will do another cup race, all of those from Charlotte. Now, I don't know the ra- names of the races, what they're calling this Wednesday and next Wednesday, but we'll have time to figure that out. But that is your live sports. Like I said, I don't know today. We also had a match Sean, where everything it, went... Let's, while we're on NASCAR, let, let's stay there for just a second. I had said last week that I'd heard an interview with Dave Moody, and he said that it would really sound very much like you're used to. Was that true today? Uh, yes, it was because you really you don't hear the crowd. Not very much. And that's, and that's exactly what he. That's exactly what he said. You normally don't now, hear the visual, crowd anyway. Visual, you know, you people see the crowd, but even here, I think they did a way of focusing on the track and everything. But you don't you don't hear the crowd anyway, so it wasn't really much. Now the golf, I did flip over. It was kind of interesting when you hear somebody hit a good shot and you don't hear anybody cheering. But it was basically a charity golf exhibition match, but. It was uh, Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy versus Ricky Fowler and Matthew Wolf. Now, next Sunday is the 
the other charity event, which is Tiger Woods and is it Tiger and Tom Brady versus Phil and Peyton Manning? Or yes. do I have yeah, that's backwards? correct. You got it. Okay, I couldn't remember if Brady was with Tiger. Or, and that'll be on TNT. So the, And that starts at 3, three o'clock. Eastern? 3 Eastern. 3 o'clock Eastern. So that actually can work out pretty, dovetail pretty well with the uh, NASCAR. If you wanted to watch the golf and then the NASCAR, you could probably pretty yeah, much do that. But that's pretty much our live sports. Of course, uh, other things, we're not giving you results. German Bundesliga soccer, they came back yesterday. I flipped by it. It was kind of interesting hearing soccer with no fans. That was kind of, yeah. that was a strange and, and Later on, came, John, we'll go over, you You have info on how that was, is set up, and we'll talk about that when we get into the yeah, we'll do that. We'll do that in the odds and ends along with right. the NASCAR, how they've done it. Yeah. And, and you know, I'll give, I'll give, you know, you're, they're using those two as models. And last night, of course, UFC had fight night. Oh, they're already saying highest rated ESPN event besides the Last Dance, and which Last Dance tonight, last ep- final episode. Yeah, the final uh, the two way, episodes for tonight. Final two episodes tonight. It's the highest rated, other than the Last Dance and the NFL schedule, the NFL schedule and the NFL draft. It's the highest rated, and it's the highest rated. UFC event on ESPN it was, and the pay-per-view last week was in the top 10 as far as pay-per-views, even though it really didn't have a strong card. But they're doing that with basically no fans also. So, yeah. in Jacksonville. And, okay. because, they are, they're severely testing people. Be, because my weather was so bad, I, I used Sirius XM radio to hear the race today, and it was and it sounded just like a regular race. You could yes, not it did. Tell, I heard it for a while, too. You, you yep. could not tell that, you know, there was no people there. Yeah. Uh, okay. it, it, it was the regular coverage that you're used to. So. Mm-hmm. I, I two, think women it'll in the, be, two women in the pits. I don't know if that's been going on all year, but they had two uh, pit uh, people, uh, uh, the women covering it. You know, for yeah, um, no, I don't know if that's normal. A couple of their guys that they normally use were under travel restrictions, so I think those were filling. And, and basically what they're doing, though, for I'll get this out of the way since we're on NASCAR, uh, having, your pit crew is only 16 instead of 21, and you you stay with your group, now they are not they are taking temperatures but they are not testing they're not doing the tests unless it's necessary because they're saying you know they do not want to take away from other people's tests is what they're saying but if now I believe everybody wears a mask right yeah everybody has to wear masks you stay yep. in your group if you have a temperature I mean, you know, it kind of before. Obviously, not a temperature when they get you out of the car because they're going to be hot. But before you get there, if you have a temperature, then you're not running. Anybody, you know, you're now. Are the drivers wearing masks in the cars while they're racing? Ah, I don't. They're wearing their normal gear, so they're geared up anyway. And they're yeah, yeah, they're they're geared up. They have face guards and all that during the race. Yeah. Okay, yeah, but, so, so I think oh. all right. So I think we took care of that. So we probably maybe uh, anything uh, Perry that you know, like who's the interview is, view, viewer is. Uh, yes, Rob I Manford. will. Let me. I'll set the interview in just a second. But real quick, go ahead, Jerry. Real quick. Okay, question: Do they have? Uh, did they have on Sirius XM the channels where you hear the drivers talking to the pit crew and all that? No, I didn't. I didn't check that out, Jerry, because my weather was bad today. But uh, they had Channel 90, as, and they did their normal coverage. I don't know if they had the the yeah. driver and pit. No, uh, they normally do, and those yep. are normally in the 200s. 
But you have to go through the list and and see which ones were available. Yeah, they never tell you ahead of time what they are, I don't think. No. So we're no, ready to go with the uh, Rob Manford interview. And what this is, um, it's an interview done on CNN the other night. It was a town hall meeting that they did. Now, I did not record the whole thing. I just got the interview with Rob Manford because that's what, that's what we wanted for our portion. And uh, it is about primarily the health, but they go into the finances just a little bit. And uh, the interviewers with Rob Manford will be Anderson Cooper and Sanjay Gupta. So, Bill, whenever you're ready, go ahead and run the interview. Commissioner Manfred, thanks for joining us tonight. Just in terms of where baseball stands right now, how likely is it, do you think, that that Americans are going to get to see Major League Baseball this year, and what might it look like? Well, I I, I think it's hopeful that uh, we will have some Major League Baseball this summer. Um, We are making plans um, about playing in empty stadiums. Um, But as I've said before, um, all of those plans are dependent on what the public health situation is and uh, us reaching the conclusion that it'll be safe for our players and other employees to come back to work. Does it, you said empty stands, for the players then, does it rely on access to, you know, to testing, frequent testing or repeated testing, or or what are the kind of the parameters you're thinking about? Well, we have developed extensive protocols. Um, A key to those is frequent testing. Um, All of our players would be tested multiple times a week, PCR testing um, to to determine whether or not they have the virus. That testing would be supplemented um, less frequently by antibody testing as well. And, and is there what, what happens if a if a player just you know thinks it's too risky still, Commissioner? I, that happens obviously in other other professions as well. What happens to those players? Well, we hope um, that we will be able to convince the vast vast majority of our players uh, that it's safe to return to work. Um, the protocols for returning to play, the the health related protocols, are about eighty pages in length. They're extraordinarily detailed. They they, they cover everything from how the players will travel, private charters, how those charters have to be cleaned, um, who has access to the ballpark, strict limits on number of people, uh, tiering of employees. So even those people who are in the ballpark will be isolated in general from the players. Um, so we'll hope that we'll be able to convince them that it's safe. Um, at the end of the day, however, if there's you know players with either health conditions or just their own personal doubts, um, we would never force them or try to force them to come back to work. Um, they can wait until they feel they're ready to come. I think one of the things that come that comes up, and people have been reading about this, it's that the players' union has indicated that it's it won't agree to this because it's a pay cut, and 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 obviously there are players who are talking about the risk not being worth it. You're going to try and convince them, obviously, that it's safe. But what about just the optics of this overall, Commissioner? I mean, you know, 35 million people have lost their jobs in the country. There's a fight that's going on over money at the MLB. How do you handle the optics of this? 
Yeah, I, you know, I, th- I think that um, whenever there's a discussion about economics, um, publicly people tend to characterize it as a fight. Um, me personally, I have great confidence that we'll reach an agree- agreement with the Players Association, uh, both that um, it's safe to come back to work and work out the economic issues that need to be resolved. Do you have a sense of how many venues could be used or I mean, how many are you talking about a full season or full team, you know, every team? Yeah, we're talking about all of our teams playing. Um, the way that we, we've set up our plan, I've talked to the governors in the 18 states where we play, um, assuming that we try to play some games starting um, in the first half of July. Um, most governors expressed hope that we would be able to use facilities, of course, um, initially without fans. Um, and But we do have contingency plans. If, in fact, you know there was a problem in a particular market, we have contingency plans where that team could play somewhere else, at least temporarily. I want to go back to the, the specifics of testing. If if all the tests, I mean, you talk about different kinds of tests, the antibody tests, the, the, the test for actually seeing if a player is positive or not, would those be, you know, the, there's the Abbott tests that are being done in the White House, which are, you know, you get results very quickly, uh, but the the, neg- the fail rate on that, you know, the false positive, uh, false negative rate, I should say, mm-hmm. is, is very high. You know, other tests can take, you know, 24 hours, can take several days. Um, and if you only do them in a couple of days, there is then a gap where someone, you know, might be contagious spreading the virus. This is obviously something you've you've thought out. Um, right. How, how is that going to work? Well, our, our planning is this. Um, we intend to um, reduce the risk associated with that time lag by frequency of testing. Um, we have um, an arrangement with a lab in Utah that has historically done our minor league drug testing. Um, we paid, made an investment to convert them over uh, to do the testing that we need in, in order to play. Um, we have an established set of healthcare professionals that have done collections for drug testing that we'll use for this same purpose. The lab in Utah um, has assured us of a 24-hour turnaround on all uh, on all of our tests. So we feel comfortable that by doing multiple tests a week and trying to minimize that, that turnaround time, we're doing everything humanly possible to make sure that the players are safe. And, and then, and then if a player to, does... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Commissioner. No, I was going to say, in addition to testing, obviously, we are going to be doing temperature checks and symptom um, uh, uh, analysis for each individual each and every day in addition to the actual testing. And, and then if someone does test positive for the virus during the season, then, then how do you handle that? Do you, does everyone that the person's been in contact with then have to go into quarantine for 14 days? Um, our, our experts are advising us that um, we don't need a 14-day quarantine. What we will do is the positive um, individual will be removed from the rest of the group. There will be a quarantine arrangement in each facility and in each city. And then we'll do contact tracing for the individuals that we believe there was contact with. And we will do point-of-care test um, testing for those individuals um, to minimize the likelihood that there's been a spread. 
I, I guess the challenge, right, Commissioner, is then if you, you're trying to avoid a cluster of people becoming positive, that's what you're describing. But what if you do start to see more than one player or a few players, uh, if they're still playing despite having been exposed to someone who has this, doesn't that carry significant risk? Well, again, we're trying to, nothing is risk-free um, in this undertaking. We're trying to mitigate that risk with the repeated point-of-care testing to make sure that um, people who have had contact have not been exposed. And by obviously removing those individuals that have a positive test, they will be quarantined until they have two negative tests over a 24-hour nice period. Uh, Major League Baseball is obviously a business. Do you have a... Um I mean, what what happens if you don't have a season? I mean, I, what, I, I don't know the economics of it well enough. You know, if there is no baseball played this year or it gets shut down midseason because of another outbreak, w- economically, what does that, that mean? Obviously, the ripple effects for a lot of people, you know, there's a lot of people who, beyond just the players who are involved and, and need this work. Yeah, the, the, the economic effects are um, devastating, uh, frankly, for the clubs. Um, we're a big business, but we're a seasonal business. And um, unfortunately, uh, this crisis began at kind of the low point for us in terms of revenue. We hadn't quite started our season yet. And if we don't play a season, the losses for the owners could approach $4 billion. That's incredible, $4 billion. I mean, it's obviously it's such a big part of American culture, and, and in times of crisis, something like this can bring people together. You, you know, you think back to President uh, George you know, uh, W. Bush after 9-11 when he threw out the first pitch at Yankee Stadium, Game 3 of the World Series, how much that meant to people. Um, do you feel like you know, people need baseball right now, that this will well, help sir. kind of unite or at least kind of give people something to, to focus on? Well, certainly based on the calls, letters, and emails that we're receiving in the commissioner's office and and the individual clubs are receiving, people really miss baseball. Um, We think historically um, baseball's played a role in the recovery from um, difficult events. You you alluded to the 9-11 experience. Um, The thing about our game, it's an everyday game. And because our fans interact with it every day, I think it's something that they really miss um and while you know for example playing in empty stadiums is not a great deal for us economically but our owners are committed to doing that um because they feel it's important that the game be back on the field and that the game be a sign of a beginning to return to normalcy to american life the way we've always enjoyed it you know it's, it's interesting to hear the um, the sort of plan that you've established commissioner because i think a lot of institutions are trying to come up with their plans right now. Uh, schools are, you know, universities, but also other sports. Uh, you know, there's no sports right now, baseball, basketball, hockey, football. Are you, are you talking to your counterparts at these other leagues as well to, uh, to see how they're handling things and, and sharing ideas? Yeah, we are um, group learners, maybe is the best uh, word. I'm having extensive um, kind of ongoing conversations with the, the commissioners in the other major North American sports, um, listening to what their plans are, what they're thinking about in terms of timing. Maybe most importantly, um, putting our heads together on what sorts of protocols work in sports. 
Um, we've also paid a lot of attention to efforts to restart um, in other sports around the world. I mean, they're playing baseball in Korea, playing baseball in uh, Taiwan, some professional soccer in Europe. Uh, we've studied all the protocols that those sports are using, and we've tried to learn from what they're doing, what's worked for them, um, in, in the hope that we can pull this off in the safest possible way. Were some teams overseas using sort of dummies in the in the crowd? I, I saw some pictures. I don't know how real that was. Were they, were they actually doing that? that? That did actually happen. There's been a lot of conversation about um, playing in empty stadiums and what it's like from broadcast perspective. Um, we have great broadcast partners, um, I- including AT&T, and um, we've had some nice conversations with them about things we can do from um, an enhancement perspective to make up for the fact that um, there aren't fans in the stadium and make that television product absolutely the best product that it can be. I'm, I'm uh, curious, say, Commissioner... Point out AT&T is the parent company of uh, right. CNN. That's right. I, I, I'm, I'm curious, Commissioner, when you, when you think about this, just your mindset, are, are you thinking that um, uh, this, is, this is temporary and that we're definitely going back to everything the way it was before in a year or two, or will there be some long-lasting changes in terms of the season length or, or other things? I, I think it's... Um, I'm hopeful that we get past this and we return to um, you know our business as we've traditionally known it. Um, our approach from the very beginning, however, has been to try to think through contingencies and you know not assume that everything's going to go right going forward. Um, so we we have thought about changes. We've thought about things like even changes to rules of the game that we're going to use in 2020 that we think are necessary to you know get the game back on the field, get the game played and get people off the field as quickly as possible. And just lastly, um, personally, what are you doing with no sports? I mean, you're the commissioner of Major League Baseball, but you're also a fan. I'm sure you're working harder maybe than, than ever before, given all that's going on. Uh, but what do you watch? Yeah, well, I absolutely am working more. And I'll t- I'm a bad um, television consumer. When I don't have sports, I don't watch that much television. I actually um, have been reading a lot um, and, you know, trying to do other things, exercising. Um, I have not substituted other television watching for, for live sports. And, you know, I guess somebody in my job has to believe there's no substitute for live sports. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Commissioner, we really appreciate your time. And we wish you the best. Good luck. All right. Thank you very much. All right. Take care. I spend a lot of time in the backyard, and I'm the center of attention at summer barbecues. In 96, I made some of the tastiest s'mores. And in 09, it was me, your backyard fire pit, that accidentally started a wildfire when a summer breeze carried one of my embers into some dry brush. Spark a change, not a wildfire. Visit SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state Forrester and the Ad Council. Only you can prevent wildfires. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org slash caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? 
that you'd touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true. I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow. But shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Okay, Perry, take it away. All right, that's that. We you've now heard the interview, and we have the uh, other topics that we need to get to. Sadly, this one, in, in all honesty, not such a great deal because you had a player this week, Blake Snell, who um, was on a podcast, and I'm not sure what podcast it was, but he started talking about health issues. You know, which everybody understands that. But then he had to he came out at, and at some point was talking about the money. And he said, this isn't worth it to me. I'm going to get mine is the way he worded it. Now, sadly, any time that a player makes a, a response and a, and a comment like that, the players can never win an argument like that, especially with what's going on in this country. Right. Yeah. And the problem is, OK, I'm, I'm looking at it from the point of view if you're just you know, the average player, and the yeah, average player, okay, make, making, I don't know, $5 million. And he makes, seven, really, Blake Snell makes $7 million a year, by the way. $7 million. So, and yeah. he's okay. underpaid because he's a Cy Young Award winner, and he's, he's still on the uptick as far as his salaries. So that's the way baseball works. It's sort of an apprenticeship thing. You don't get paid to your third or fourth year, and he's young in his career. So, okay, can he really, if he's, if, if, if theoretically, let's say they work it out so you get half your salary because you're playing half a season, which is seems fair to, I think, most people. Now, you know, just if you ask the general public, can he walk away from $3.5 million? His family has that kind of money. He put it all away. Guys who are in their 20s tend to spend it all at once anyway, and they never have any money, you know, saved. And so I, I really doubt that he would, you know, okay, maybe his wife and he get along great, and he's, he'd just sit, sit around all year and not work. But, you no. know, and then you, you don't pitch for a year. That could throw your career off, too. Oh, no. Now, one thing they yeah. did say that if players decide, I mean, you heard Rob Manfred say, they're not going to force them to play. If, however, there is a season and they don't play, you don't get paid and you do not get service time in that case. Ah, okay. Yes. That and makes sense. Now, we want to say the Blake Snell comments were before this Thursday night interview. They were on Wednesday, I believe, or Tuesday. Or Wednesday. They came out Wednesday. By but, the way, Sean, now that we have the line open, what number can they call? They can call 317-886-1103. That's 317-886-1103. Call in. And that, uh, and that line is open now. And we'll put you and live also, on the And then air. Bryce Harper also chimed in after Blake Snell and said, I agree with him, bro. And he Yeah, and well, of, Bryce Harper's comments were, Sean, well, somebody had to say it. I'm glad he did it, and I'm going to support him. I've also he heard guys like Clayton Kershaw come out, and, and Kershaw said, um, you know, if you're going to talk, you should keep it to health, because he basically said just what I said. He said not too many people are going to feel sorry for guys 
that are making yeah. that kind of and, money. And, and you it, know, sounds like, it sounds like yeah. if you believe what you hear, if you believe what you hear, the, the high echelon players may not necessarily care if they play, but the guys, you know, the, the tweeners, if you will, the guys that would yeah, be yeah. in AAA or, you know, just barely a major leaguer, those guys are going to want to play. And remember, and this only has Scott, to be approved 50%, you know, just a little over 50%. And Scott Boris said his players are willing to play. Right. He's, he said right. his players are willing to play. Now, that's the first Jim, good Jim thing Bowden. he's ever said about that's the first nice thing, you know, like something yeah. that I liked that Scott Boris has ever said, I think, pretty much. By, by the way, though, Jim Bowden said this morning that they have in their plan, and we, of course, don't know what it is, but each city, like we'll say if the Cubs can't play in Wrigley Field, they have a backup place where the Cubs would play or, you know, whatever team you are, they have a back, one backup plan. And then of course they would have to plan as they go, but each team does have a backup. And as we said last week, you're going to have it split East, East, Central, Central, West, West, where there's not as much travel as there ordinarily would be. I do know our governor here in California has basically told all professional sports teams, uh, we don't want you playing here until there's a vaccine. So but if I don't you believe, know. But if you believe what Rob Manfred said, he said without fans, he said that uh, all the governors agreed with that. Right. Yeah. Well, so yeah, we'll, have, said, to, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Gov- I think you, your, your governor has are... said that with fans. Your governor right. said that with fans. He said he did not say it without fans. Right. right. Now, without fans, you wonder. Um, I don't know what the what the AAA situation is for a lot of teams, but. If there's no fans involved, shoot, the Cubs could play in Des Moines here. They have a very nice, yeah, very nice AAA. They have a very nice AAA complex here they could use. And if the California teams can't, they're all in Arizona. They could use their Arizona sites and yeah. like New York, New York, the Mets and Yankees. If they can't, they can use their Florida site. Right. Yeah. Bowden, you know, like did, Bowden did say this morning, though, Sean, they would like to not do that because they, if they're going to yeah. do that, they would like them to play in a major league facility for because the TV yeah. uh, things are be, you know the the better for TV and all, all that. You know, there, yeah, yeah. yeah. They, so they he prefer. said they would really prefer not to use the spring training, but here, but I mean, AAA games are on TV sometimes here, so that wouldn't be anything new, right? Yeah, that, I mean that would work for they that could would play work in for the Cubs. too. They they, they uh, and, and televises Paw Sox games, so yeah, no, that could well, work. Well, and here's the thing though, I mean if. If there's not a season this year, it's not going to be because of what they've planned That's with correct. the virus and everything, with the testing. It's going to be because the Players Association screwed this up. And I've been, and I've had, I've been going round and round, back and forth with our friend David, the ultimate sports fan, who informs us of all of the deaths. And I'm like, if they get an attitude like what Blake Snell said with the unemployment, and he's like, well, I'm going to get mine. And if they say, well, we're not playing because we want to get paid, look at what 94 did. And it took baseball overlooking with the steroid era in 1998. Look at what that did. Baseball is also the popularity among the casual fans and the younger fans and people has already been dwindling. Now, the hardcore, like, and take yourselves out of the equation. You you three, you you guys, lifelong baseball fans. I mean, I was... It's not my favorite anymore like it used to be when I was a kid. I do watch it, though. But you guys, I mean, a lot of us will probably still watch it. 
But take us out. Let's say someone who's already like, eh, I'm finding other things to watch, other things to do. That could knock baseball even down lower than that number three peg. It if could. the players, and they won't blame the owners. They would blame the players. Well, Steve, well, I think Steve one thing Sachs, Rob Manfred said. Oh, one thing Rob Manfred said. Yeah, one thing Rob Manfred said, and I think that Perry would agree with it is. When you have when you have somebody come out like like was done here with Blake Snell and and um, you know Bryce Harper and all that and you know some owner may pop off at some point because you know you have the you know you, you, when you have these debates in the media if you looked at the headlines for many things that have been settled like the 2011 NFL stuff and this player says this and the the leadership of the union said that and the leadership of the owners said something else and you know and they they patched it up and Robert Kraft came in and worked on it you know. That's all forgotten when it's, it's like labor. It's like a woman in labor. They always say, you know, they forget right. how, how much pain they're in. You know, this all gets forgotten. If they, if they go to spring training June 10th and they start the season July 1st or July 4th or something, people will just be happy it happened and they'll forget about all this. Well, one yeah, okay, thing, no, one yeah, thing yeah, that, that Steve that, Sachs was saying, and, you know, Steve Sachs, of course, one of the hosts on uh, Sirius XM, and, of course, being a player and then he was a coach, he said if baseball, if, if the last time we seen them was, what was it, November 2nd last year? Yeah. And you don't see yeah. them in a meaningful game until late March or early April next year. He said, if you think 94 was bad, he said that this that will look and, like a cakewalk compared to what this would look like. And that's like. what I'm saying. I'm not talking about this year if we don't see them July. I'm talking about with Steve Sachs saying, if, if for some reason they don't play this year and it's not because of the this plan that they put in and it's because of the players and they don't come till March or April next year, yeah, Steve Sachs is totally right. I think well, again, our, our bet, Perry and I are saying they're playing, and, uh, you know, we have Jeff Bennett and saying no and, and Perry's uh, well, uh, wife in the 515. So, I'm you know. still saying they're playing. I'm going to say they're playing, but if they don't, it's not going to be because of the virus. It's going to be because of them. That's right. Oh, okay, no. okay, okay. But how about this? How about this? Robert, what's, are they playing or not in your mind's eye? Um, I believe they're going to play. Uh, I've always thought they're going to play, but uh, with, with all this bickering right. back and forth, it just looks bad. It does. It does. Okay. But that it doesn't does. mean, you know, that doesn't well, mean that, you know, a couple weeks from now, and hey, if Blake Smell, Snell doesn't want to play or Bryce Harbor doesn't want to play, okay, you know, the game will go on without a couple of players. Right. And, and, you know, right. it, it's just, it just will. And it's too bad for Tampa Bay and Philadelphia because they've got divisions they're trying to win. You know, there's going to be a competitive race, and, uh, you know. And, that's and correct. People will start yeah. getting into the race. And, you, you start and your team starts 3-0 and or 0-3, you're going to start paying attention again, you know. So in our, un, so in our unscientific poll, Bill, what say you, play or they're not going to play? Play. Okay, right. so I think, Chris, we're at least in the majority at this point. That's right. That's well, right. Well, I mean, I'm still saying to play. But I'm at I'm 90%. I'm at 90%, but I'm, I'm scared the players are going to screw it up. I, I, don't, I, I don't think they will. Be, so I think you'll see a few because I, uh, Jim Bowden ran down a list this morning. Um, we have Pam, and we'll get to her in just one second. But he ran down a list of players this morning who have health conditions. Uh, some of them it's diabetes, some of them it, yeah. it, it's asthma or other. And he said everyone that he has heard, David Dahl of the Rockies, um, all of them that he has heard, all of them say they're ready to go. So mm -hmm. if the guys who have the conditions that you, that you would, you know, I certainly understand that guy if he didn't play, they That's say right. they're all ready to go. But uh, let me hit this button and Pam, go right ahead. I vote no. You're saying you no? don't think they'll play? Nope. Mm -mm. Why not? Okay. Okay. Well, okay. Well, okay. Hold on. Why not? 
All right. In the first place, the Players Association is strong enough to do what it is they want. And if they don't want to play, if if for some reason they don't, there's enough uh, players that that think it isn't worth it, they won't play. Well, I certainly I hope that, I hope they do though, Pam. Don't you? Because my Cubs and your Royals are going to play if they play. That's right. Yeah, that's right. yeah. I would love. He just to, I would love to, go to 28 see it. That's their and problem. I, you don't want to have like have, a three thirty three percentage. I would sincerely love to see that the way that they've got that uh, division the the. The division. central division, yeah, right. Yeah, and, and by the yeah. way, the, by the way, we had heard, we had talked about this last week about the Braves going. That is not going to happen. Every team is going that to is. stay put where they're at. That's right. Everybody stay where they're at. And Pam, while you're here, we definitely want to say our best wishes to you. Hopefully, you get better. You Absolutely. Know, you oh, Absolutely. Man. Yeah, we hope you get better. But I have pretty much, and they sent uh, the play. The owners actually after this sat yesterday, this weekend sent the plan, the testing plan and everything to the players, and it's pretty thorough. Like it's, oh, uh, uh, it is. That's what, that's what I was talking about earlier, Sean, before we came on the air. Mike Francesa yeah. on CBS Sports Radio this morning broke it down for about four hours and went through it. Yeah, it's basically uh, no players yeah. in no players in the dugout. They're all I'm saying is you can't even you can't even uh, uh, chew sunflower seeds, uh, no chew spinning. tobacco, any of that. On the no field. fighting. Uh, <laughs> No fighting. Uh, That's yeah, right. no, no, no fighting. No lineup party. That isn't social no distancing. Lineup. Fighting is not social well, distancing. No, yeah. Absolutely. No so, so we have no a call. Lineup. Jerry. Jerry, are they going to play or not? They're going to play. All right. Anything else, Jerry? No. Okay. okay. One thing that isn't going to happen, just so we can finish baseball, because we have a lot to cover tonight, uh, they're not going to play the World Baseball Classic next year. That is uh, I don't even know where, where that was going to be. Where was that going to be, Perry? I don't know. But it's not going to be there. Um, and apparently, for financial reasons, I'm sure the MLB puts money into it. And, of course, they send players and all that. And I'm sure that's part of it. And all the leagues you know, around the world who would be And I think one of the reasons for it, Chris, a, a, financially, and B, I mean, we don't know how long, you know, they think now maybe the end of October, very early November. But they don't know that. I mean, what if? You know, some bad situation would happen, and they would have to take a break. So yeah. I think they're just. But it yeah. sounds like twenty twenty three or twenty four. Uh, for me, as a baseball fan, though, that's not a big deal. I, I mean, no, I would listen to it if it was on, but I don't pay that close attention to it. Yep. Okay, so we do have other odds and ends to get to uh, beyond baseball, but this did uh, this was very good, especially having that Rod Manfred uh, interview. Okay. And uh, so this one is one that Sean brought to to light. What's going on with Duke and Zion Williamson and and uh, the family and what what the heck oh. is that all that about, Sean? Well, I, yeah, I can, okay. Well, I'll go ahead and get to that. I was going to get to the other breaking news on since we we're talking about COVID stuff first, but I'll go ahead. Uh, oh, there's COVID that. all through this. This is it, it is spread through our whole yeah. sports report. But, but yeah, just, all right. We'll do basically, the, do what happened? Thing. Okay, Duke and Zion Williamson are being sued by Prime Sports. And they're turning it over. They're going after Zuke, or Duke. I mean, Duke, Zion Williamson. Yeah, Zuke and Dion Williamson. Zuke, Zuke and Dion. <laughs> yeah. 
Duke and Zion Williamson and CAA, his current agency, and they're trying to say that Zion Williamson shopped himself around his mother and stepfather to get the best deal. And they said, what is it going to take to go to Duke and Duke did this? Prime, and now Prime Sports who he was originally signed with, is not recognized by the NBA Players Association, by the NBA front office, the state of North Carolina, or the state of Florida, or even now the state of Louisiana. So any of those three states, they're not recognized, but he had originally signed with them, and then he found out that they weren't recognized, so he went with this other. They're suing him for breach of contract, but they're trying to say that there were shenanigans with him and Adidas, they're going at you know, and Nike with various things with him, with Duke, with all you know, they're they're basically throwing everybody under the bus because they're not recognized. They were they were uh, their contract ended because if he had done a contract in the NBA using them as an agency, his contract would not be valid because they're not you know they're not allowed to use Prime Sports. So he signed with this other. And they're so they're suing because they're like, well, wait a minute, he backed out of his contract with us, even though he couldn't. So that's basically that's basically what's going on. There. Okay, and then you're right. I forgot about the breaking news in the on the COVID virus uh, front here. So why don't you well, run that down? One we found out on Friday. Art Howe, 73 years old, you know, former manager, former player. He is in the hospital. He's in ICU with uh, coronavirus. So and it sounds, one, it sounds like one, from what I heard this morning, he may be getting just a slight bit better now. Yeah, it Good. sounds like he's getting better. But the one who I just heard about this a half hour before we came here, Dexter Manley, former Washington Redskins, uh, he is in. He had had pneumonia and COVID nineteen. He's on. He's in the hospital and ICU on a ventilator. He's only sixty one years old. So that's yeah, that's one that. I just found out about a half, like I said, about a half hour before we came on. So okay, now we have more crime for you to. Again, these are stories <laughs> that Sean uh, found out during the week. You got a couple. You got a little, uh, little problem down in Miami. A little crime for a couple of okay. DeAndre Baker of the cornerback uh, for the Giants and Quentin Dunbar, Dunbar with the yeah. Seahawks. Seahawks, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's you're right. Yeah, but they were both arrested, and a third gentleman. Well, I use that loose. Were arrested down by Miami. In Miramar, Florida, Miramar, Florida, they were arrested uh, four counts of armed robbery, and and Baker was arrest was charged uh, with four counts of using a weapon. So apparently, they told this other person they robbed somebody down there in Miramar. They put this out on Thursday. Yesterday, Baker <coughs> turned himself in. Then later that day, Quentin Dunbar turned himself in. Uh, they have both since been released on bond. Uh, this is the part I hadn't had a chance to tell y'all yet. They have both been released on bond. Uh, Baker, however, is ordered not to leave the state of Florida except for work-related activities. But the Giants have told him, "Do not come back to our facilities. Do not come to anything because they'll be open, you know facilities of the NFL when they do open. Do not come back until you have this worked out. You know whatever is going on." So apparently. There was an altercation. They robbed somebody, and he pulled he pulled a weapon on four people. Now, now Dunbar, gun, knife, whatever. Dunbar, as I understand it, is is claiming he was not involved. Yeah, Dunbar is claiming he's not involved. Uh, but Baker, Baker is Dunbar can leave the state, and Dunbar can leave, but Baker cannot. And the Giants told him not to even report. 
I think, I think the Giants are going to wind up releasing him. He was their number one draft pick last year. Yeah, the third, uh, you had three. My friend Rick, the big Giants fan, said he was the third, uh, their fir- third first round yeah. pick because they took yeah. you know and the Ed quarterback. Oliver, and and yeah. on, on an unrelated yeah. case, on an unrelated one, and I found that Ed Oliver, the Buffalo, was pulled over for a DWI uh, in Houston. And he had and a he weapon al- on him. He, he had, also he had, had a weapon, gun. yeah. Why is it everything happens in Houston? Beer. Everybody gets in trouble in Houston. Well, he, you, you know, he's that? from Houston. He's I know, but uh, okay. Roger he's Clemens got in a big fight down there. I just always, things are always but going no, he, on. Uh, but no, he, he had a, he was pulled, they saw a beer between his legs, and that also violates the Texas Open Container Law. But uh-huh. they think it was something other than alcohol that he was on, or that they, they tested it for, but they didn't say if it was or wasn't, but he also, mm-hmm. like I said, he had a weapon operating, and so he yeah. was arrested and, and, while, and sent out on bail. And while we're on the NFL, we might as well t- take it, take this while we're there. It, at the end of Game 2 today, the uh, 49ers-Cowboys 1981 uh, championship game, uh, Zig Verkazi was interviewing Randy Cross. And for what it's worth, Randy Cross said, there will be NFL football this year, so... He, sa- he right, says good. there will be NFL football. Yay. All right. And so, Sean, NFL- why don't you get into more details about the Bundesliga? Because they are open and uh, they're, okay. they've got procedures in place and uh, sort of similar, sort of flesh out a little bit what Rob Manford was talking about, maybe, in a well, way. Well, okay. The Bundesliga, and this is what the, what baseball is modeling theirs after. And that, in the, that in the Korean baseball. No, no, Bundesliga, yeah, well, that and the Korean. Yeah, but, that's what baseball's but, modeling after, the Bundesliga and the Korean baseball. But what Bundesliga is doing, they opened up yesterday. For those of you that know, Bundesliga is the German soccer league. That's like that English Premier League and Spanish La Liga are like the Major League Baseball of soccer, the NBA of soccer. Those three are kind of the top, they're the top tier. You know, those are the leagues you want to play for. But what they're doing, they came back yesterday morning, they're having 350, 322 people, 322 people on in in the stadium, 98 on the field, including players, coaches, uh, EMS, and officials. 115 people in the stands, including team officials, journalists, and others, and 109 on the exterior. You know, secu- basically security to keep people from trying to come in. So baseball is monitoring, modeling it after that. Uh, now baseball is not going to put, they're not going to do like Korea and put the, I don't think they're going to put. Uh, no, they're not going to put like dummies in the stands. Fans. No. No, no cardboard people in the stands. But Korean baseball is doing something very similar to what, you know, what they're doing. But, yeah, they're, model, they're modeling. The NBA is looking at this. A lot of the leagues are all looking at how Bundesliga and Korean baseball and Surprisingly, it's a lesser known, but NASCAR modeled theirs after the professional bull riding, you know, where you stay in your group, you do. So, they, you know, professional bull riding has been going on, but I'm sorry I don't have any of those results. We'll right. try to get those for you. <laughs> yeah. Now, you now before we hit the deaths, um, well, we got a few more odds and ends. We, do, we, do, anyway, we, do, but, we yeah. do, but NBA, um, we're hearing what, Sean? The, the latest I had heard was. The high-end players like the LeBron James and players like that are less likely to want to come back than the lower-end players because the high-end players have pretty much collected all of their pay. Well, yeah, but I'm also hearing that some of the high-end players are okay, but a lot of it are the players that are out of contention, like the Warriors. The Warriors are not – they're already in off-season mode. 
Yeah, uh, no, they said they they don't want to come back. You know, they know there's what I've also heard is what they could do now in the East. Orlando had a pretty good, like a five game lead over Washington, but you got like the West where you had Memphis, Portland was pretty close, New Orleans and Zion were creeping in. I've heard what they could do, what they may end up doing if they do this is doing like seven, ten, and eight and nine in each conference, doing like a one or three game, and then you know just starting it that way. Yeah, they could do that. Yep, and the two places that are still on the table are Disney in Florida, in Orlando, or the MGM in Vegas. Those are the two that are right. really on. But and you said that they wouldn't are, they wouldn't take both. Uh, they they're not thinking of Orlando in the East and, and uh, Vegas. No, in the no, West no. Everybody's like going to be together. Everybody's okay. going to be together. They want it all. They want it all there. That way, they can just keep going with playoffs. They right. They wanted at one place. Yeah, but that's seven, ten, eight, nine, two out of threes. That sounds good. That's a way to start. Yeah, it would be. Yeah, I mean, they, but they, they wanted I, all I think that, the NHL, Robert, is talking about 12 teams in the playoffs, right? Uh, that's um, what I heard. They, they have been, they've been doing, going back and forth on different plans. Um, I, I really don't know which, which plan they're talking about this week. Uh, I've heard a 24-team plan. I, right, I've 12 heard, teams in each conference, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that's where they're, where they're headed. But and, uh, and so what you'd have is the top four would get buys. Probably the division lead, either the division leaders or the top four point getters at this point right. would get buys. Right. And then five, twelve, six, eleven, seven, ten, eight, nine would play series exactly. of exactly. many games. Yeah. And then they'd move on to the next round. And I think in in hockey that's fair because you you have a lot of teams. And yes, there's going to be team 25 or team 26 that's going to feel left out and was in contention. And there were when we ran down those standings. There were a lot of close uh, fights in the NHL, but what can right. you do? You know, you need to especially in the West, somewhere. especially in the West. Yeah, where would these take place? Um, North Dakota still. Or? Well, they're talking about okay. they're talking about okay. North Dakota, New Hampshire, and I'm not, I'm not sure about the Canadian cities because Canada. Uh, there's a travel ban between U.S. and Canada, so I'm not really sure how that would work out. Well, I think around when Canada, because remember Canada sort of said they were going to pull the plug on things till the end of June. So probably around that time, that's when things will get ironed out between the two countries and we'll start to see some travel back and forth, assuming yeah. there's not a big uh, flare-up somewhere. And the NBA has the NBA has delayed the combine, and they've also delayed the whole thing as far as declaring for the draft and coming back if you don't sign an agent. Right. right now the draft is still on for June 25th, but look for that to be delayed. Yeah, I and think that's going to be moved. Anyway. So uh, also another thing that's being moved, we got a date for the Preakness now, right? What's, what are we going to do, October 3rd? Is that October when the Preakness 3rd. is going to be? Yes. October 3rd. And, and we don't Mike know if there will be fans or not yet uh, by that and, time and, in Maryland. You know, we and, don't know and that. And Mike Francesa, who owns horses, he said, as far as the Belmont is concerned, you, they want to do it as early in October as possible because he said if you wait till late October, early November, the conditions are not going to be conducive to racing. For and the they'll horses. be running into the, those that want to run in the Breeders' Cup also. Yeah. So he, he's not sure what the Belmont's going to do. The only thing the Belmont has decided is racing returns for them without fans on June 4th. But and yesterday, racing returned to Churchill Downs without. Yeah, but, but he one said, of the things about horse racing to remember is, and this helps a lot of states and helps uh, the economies and different things, especially once the casinos open in different states, which uh, different ones are starting to think about that. Like in Vegas, they're talking about that right. because a lot of the people do uh, OTB off track betting, and right. so that's going to help the states because the money goes in. You know, you can bet in the casinos or in the track in other tracks. Yeah, once the tracks are, are open to 
like casino style seating. You know, even if there's no racing, if there's racing somewhere, they can bet on it. And that helps the economy of all those states that are losing all the gambling uh, revenue. Right. One state that's trying to get revenue whatever way they can. Arizona has said we're open as of as of Friday or yesterday, whatever. They're open for the, you know anybody wants to play anything there, they're ready to go. They're they're going to just be ready to to do it. That, that's right. Uh, uh, yep. yeah. Let's see uh, what else we got here. Uh, okay. Well, okay. This is one I hadn't put out, but uh, okay. Deal, but all right, the bare knuckle boxing association, which from what I understand, they're only sanctioned in Wyoming. This bare knuckle boxing. And uh, they want to pay Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield $20 million apiece to come in and fight with them. Matter of fact, I was on another uh, po- another radio show last night talking about this, Sean. Um, they're, they're very ser- serious about uh, having these two uh, fight, and they've offered $20 million apiece. But so far, neither one of them has publicly stated whether they're interested right. or the not. The only state that sanctions them is sanctions it is Wyoming. Yeah. So yeah. if they if they fight, it would probably be well, Laramie, Wyoming, or someplace like that. So or who it knows? Could be somewhere like Saudi Arabia or somewhere yeah. like that, where right. that crown prince is always bringing people over, you know, right. the sheiks over in the Middle East. Or those but again, you got you got the travel bans to consider. So. Okay, now the the big mess that is really developing in all of this is college football. So, Sean and Perry, why don't you just talk about all the SEC and the Bob uh, Bowlesby, the Big Twelve Commissioner, and the ACC? You know, every uh, California, we've got a, a total uh, train wreck uh, in in progress with college well, football. And that's right because now. and that's okay, because primarily, Chris, that's primarily because the NCAA has really no control over college football. Correct. That's the reason it's a And the NCAA said they're going to let the conferences. Now, I want to create uh, – originally, earlier in the week, I talked – it was all of – I thought it was all of the University of California schools and the Cal State schools. It was not all of the University of California schools. Apparently, UCLA is the only one in the University of California system that says they're doing their classes online. But all the Cal State schools, like your San Diego State, Fresno State, those schools are going to online. But – However, the SEC is planning on if they can already, uh, you know, they're planning on a season whenever, you know, what they and basically what they've done is they've opened their offices and they've opened their workout facilities for players to come work out. But players can only be there so many time. You have to social, you know, they're doing this whether it's September, November, January, whatever. They're they're doing this. Big Twelve is going to allow their coaches, their schools to resume on June 1st where players can, if you live near the university, you can come and work out at your university facilities because their thing is, hey, they need a place to work out, and we can do it based on each state, their gym regulations, they're doing the whole no more than four people at a time, very similar to the way the NBA is doing it. Uh, Big Ten or the ACC, I think, is looking at other things, so are some Big Ten schools. You know they're looking at how they want to how they want to do that, but it's not really you know the SEC is still going as if hey we're going to play in September, but there's but I think they're still open to January, but they want that as a last resort. They do, and you can you can and see you're already starting play. to see Sean. You're already starting to see some schools drop sports. Uh, Bowling Green, in fact, dropped their baseball program on Friday. Yeah, and you're not going to see schools drop football. You're not going to oh, see no, not, drop, not football, not football, see, but you will see them drop no. maybe some of the minor sports. 
Yeah, so yeah. divided because football. All right, I heard this. The average team, the a, the average of these go one all one hundred and thirty teams in uh, college in Division One college football. Football brings in for the schools thirty two million. The other and that's average. Now you have your big schools like Texas, Michigan, Alabama, where it brings in you know one hundred fifty two hundred million. But then you know average is thirty two million. Most of them it's in that twenty to thirty million range of what they bring in. The other thirty two sports combined bring in thirty five million. Basketball brings in about ten million. Now for the NCA itself, that is their funding, but. Basketball, you know, to the individual schools, it brings in about $10 million apiece. Then it goes to women's, women's basketball and college baseball are kind of tied, you know, depending on then hockey, just slowly down about $2 million. Then it just... Unless you're in the SEC, college baseball does bring in money. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. In the SEC, that boosts it up. But, and then, like, certain places like UConn and Baylor and Tennessee and places like that, though, college ba- yeah, women's women. college and basketball then, boosts it up. And the hockey is then, a very, very popular with certain schools. Does better but than basketball, D.C., for hockey example. Does, you know? Hockey does about $2 million. I think they're number five on the list so as far as – That's because fewer as schools as, play it. Where it's played, it's popular. But, you know, it's just not played in yeah, many but places. fewer schools. And then, then it goes down to, like, you know, others. But the whole thing is you're going to see – Sports like golf, a lot of them are dropping their golf teams, their tennis teams. Although some will say, "Hey, if you're college tennis, you're the people that weren't good enough to make the pros yet." That's that was always tennis's. But you'll see like men's soccer, certain places like yeah. maybe men like Bowling Green dropping baseball, Akron dropped three sports. Uh, <coughs> you're going to see stuff like that. So, so now the one thing though uh, that Perry had pointed out was that Bob Bowlesby was on, and he now, they, there had been a story, the uh, adamant thing that, um, you know, if students weren't on campus, that there wouldn't be football played. And now it sounds like that's sort of a negotiable thing. Which That's what know, he said, but, that he was on the Chip Brown show on, uh, I believe, Sean, it is 1300 The Zone in Austin. He was on yeah, the Chip Brown show and said, yeah. yes, that that is negotiable now. Right. Yeah, he said that is negotiable, but... A lot of the states are saying, you know what, the universities are saying if our players are still going by, if our player, if our students aren't on campus, then we're not going to play. You know, they're they're saying if we don't have some some form of where students are coming on campus, then we're not going to play. So even though he's still saying that, now they have both them and the SEC have both made their media days virtual, correct, in July. If they're still going on in July, if they're going to have it, they're not. You're not traveling to the city for media day. We have one thing that we can do next week because it's a little timeless. We can because we have so much to do tonight. We're we're just getting started on the desk now, and we have a lot of them. But uh, we uh, Sean had a thing that he uh, got about people who retired too early, either because of injury or just they decided to retire. Yeah, we'll do. Yeah, players. we'll do that next week. We can week. do that next yeah, we'll week. That would be that an interesting week. discussion. So, okay, we can start on our deaths here. The first one, some of these people I haven't heard much about before, but John Tierlink. No, me neither. I don't know. 69 years old, defensive end uh, for a year and a half with San Diego Chargers in 74 and 75. Then he was out after that with a knee injury. And then uh, defensive line coach and defensive coordinator, uh, Eastern Illinois. Uh, He was there from 78 through 79. Then defensive line coach at Illinois itself. 80 through 82, then defensive line coach in the Brown for the Cleveland Browns, uh, 89-90, and the Rams, 91, and Minnesota, 92-94, to and then uh, Detroit in 95 and 96. 
Denver at 97 through 01, and then the uh, Colts from 02 to 12. He was there a long time, and he got three rings uh, for the Super Bowl in uh, 32 and 33 with Denver and 41 with the Colts. And uh, uh, and he taught players to aim for the knees, uh, apparently. In 96, he was suspended for a while or had a talking to by Paul Tagliabue about that. And they said, that isn't nice. Don't do that anymore. And he said, I won't, sir. And he was able to coach some more and, and do all that stuff. The next guy is Don Zimmerman, a wide receiver for the Eagles. Don't really remember him either. 70 years old. Philadelphia Eagles, 73 to 76. Green Bay, 76. He just... Uh, Played one game for the Eagles in 76 and two for the Packers in 76. 53 uh, receptions, 601 yards in his career, five touchdowns and two fumble recoveries. Then we have uh, Johnny McCarthy, and I, I kind of know about him, but I sure don't remember him being with the Celtics, but it says he was. So we, we believe David USF, he gets these things right. Okay, he was 86 years old. I remember him with uh, playing for the Hawks. He played for the Rochester and Cincinnati Royals in 57, 56 through 58. And then uh, St. Louis, 58 through 62, and uh, and one ABL uh, game with the uh, a season 62-63 season with the Pittsburgh Wrens. That's that we keep hearing about that league. The last uh, that would be an interesting league to find out. They're the ones that started with the three pointers. I know that. I remember that. But the Pittsburgh Wrens, uh, the Renaissance was what it meant. Uh, and then uh, he played uh, 28 games for the Celtics in the 63-64 season. And uh, he that's where he got a championship ring, or if we even had rings back in those days, whatever. He was a part of that 63-64 championship team. He coached the Buffalo Braves in the 71-72 season. He was their coach, and they went 22-60. and 60. They were That was like their third year in existence or second year, so not, not too good. And then uh, the first triple-double in a playoff game. Uh, you know, In other words, he was the first person to do it, and then others in their first playoff game. And that was on his debut was three sixteen sixty. It's funny. It says he was on the Hawks in fifty eight, but maybe he was hurt. He didn't play in the playoffs. But anyway, <clears throat> they were in the playoffs in fifty eight and fifty nine. But it says in three sixteen sixty, he had thirteen points, eleven rebounds, and eleven assists. Uh, the other people to have done it was Magic Johnson, LeBron James, and Nikola Nokic, or whatever it is. And uh, that uh, was uh, the other people who did it. So a lot more prominent players than he was, but uh, he did do it. He was a point guard. Pepper Rogers. Now, here's a name I haven't heard in a long time. He was 88 years old. He was assistant uh, coach at Air Force. Uh, this is football, 58 and 59. Assistant at Florida, 60 through 64. Then uh, UCLA assistant from 65 and 66. Then he became the head coach at Kansas from 67 through 70. And what David USF uh, didn't mention was he guided the uh, Kansas Jayhawks to the Orange Bowl in 1969, where they beat, they were they were th- ranked three. I think that's and, their first, only Orange Bowl appearance, I believe. Yeah, I think so. They beat uh, Penn State, who was ranked sixth, 14 to 13. I, looked, I had Miss A uh, tell me about that. I knew that he was like really the coach of the year, and it, I'm sure he won that award because Kansas before that hadn't had much going except uh, Gail Sayers and John Hadle. And after that, we know they haven't really done too much. Then he coached at UCLA from 71 through 73, Georgia Tech from 74 through 79, and the USFL uh, Memphis uh, Showboats in 84 and 85. And, uh, yeah, he see. was there for both seasons of them. I remember him there. Yeah. Okay. And then let's see. We had uh, 
Yeah, that was uh, in 84 and 85. And then the CFL Memphis team, the Mad Dogs, uh, 90 and 95. And uh, CFL had uh, other I had forgotten about it. I didn't realize they had all these teams. I knew they had some American and, you know, U.S. teams. They had a team, and, and David just listed them for us just for fun. Baltimore, Birmingham, Las Vegas, Sacramento, Shreveport, and, uh, you know, between 93 and 95, all those, and Memphis we just mentioned. Uh, and when, uh, what happened was Baltimore won the Great Cup, and then all of a sudden the American teams disappeared. Yeah, kind of funny yeah. how that. And he was a vice president for football operations in Washington from 01 through 04. So there you go. And uh, let's see. And complications of a fall. He then after that had a stroke and a heart attack. Uh, Bob Watson. Here's a, a prominent uh, ball player, 74 years old. He played for Houston in 66 through 79, one game in 66 and six games in 67. Then he made the Astros full-time after that. On uh, June 23rd of 79, he was traded to the Red Sox. He played well for the Red Sox that year in 79. Then he went over to the Yankees as a free agent from 80 through 82, and then Atlanta in 82 through 84. And then uh, he made, he was, uh, two, uh, he made two all-star appearances in 73 and 75 with Houston. He had 295. He had 184 home runs and 989 RBIs. And then, um, let's see, what what else do we have? An 80, 80 and 81. Oh yeah, postseason. He did very well for the Yankees in 80 and 81. He had 371 in the, the postseason of those two. 23 hits and four uh, home runs and uh, uh, nine RBIs. So that that was great. Uh, and only two strikeouts in the whole postseason. Okay. Uh, he was a hitting coach for the A's from uh, in '88, and then yes, he uh, was. Yes, he was. Yeah, okay, thank you, Robert. Houston, uh, the, uh, he was the second black GM in uh, baseball. Uh, the first was a guy named Bill uh, Lucas for the Braves, but he was the GM in Houston from '93 through '95, and then the Yankees GM from uh, uh, 10 23 95 to 202 98, and then he he. Uh, and he, that meant he won one World Series as a GM in 96. And then 98 through 2010, this is where he's remembered uh, often, too. Uh, he was the uh, director of discipline and, uh, you know, did all that uh, and rules for, and rules and operations for baseball from 1998 through 2010. And he, he died of kidney disease. And the one thing I pointed out that I remember in 1975, he scored the millionth run in baseball history. They, I don't know how they ever sat down and figured it all out, but probably put a lot of people on adding machines. They didn't used to have computers in the Elias Sports Bureau and do all that. But uh, they, he scored the one millionth run in Major League Baseball. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, and uh, uh, another thing, uh, I think he was replaced when he was uh, let go by the Yankees by Brian Cashman, who's yeah. still the Yankee GM. So yeah. yep. you talk about job security. <laughs> okay. Uh, so and what, here's, Chris, here's let, me one... give you, let me give you a chance, Chris, to catch your breath just a uh, second because Pam has her hand up, so we'll let her talk. While, we'll let you take a breath just for a second. Go ahead, Pam. Yeah, you were talking about uh, Kansas. Yep. I think uh, they made the Orange Bowl. Yep, 1969. Yeah, well, most recent, well, when Mangino. Uh, uh, I don't think it was the Orange Bowl. I think they, they went to a BCS game, and I don't know if it was the Orange Bowl or was it? Yeah, uh, yeah, it was it. It was it was the Orange Bowl with uh, with Mangino. 
okay, you know what? I think you might be right now that it, but but either way, they've they've only made it. Yeah, I knew they were in a BCS game with Manzino. I just didn't remember if that was the year they went to the Orange Bowl or if that was. Yeah, because they had. That's right, because they still at that time when he was there still had the agreement. The Big Twelve did, but the Orange Bowl it hadn't switched over yet. That's you are correct. On, yeah, thanks. Okay. All right. All right. Good to get these corrections out there. And okay. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. So now we have, um, and we're probably going to be taking a call as soon as we finish with this. Uh, Mike McCaskey. He died at seventy-six years of age. Uh, he was the president of the Chicago Bears. From 93 through 98, and then the chairman of the board with the Bears, 99 through 2011. He's the son of the of uh, George Howitt, uh, the of course the founder of the Bears. And uh, let's see, he he was uh, I'm sorry, the grandson of George Howitt. Grandson, the son, he's grand- yeah, the the son of Virginia Howitt. That's right. It's McCaskey. His mother was Virginia, who's uh, uh, George's daughter. George Howitt's daughter. That's how it works. Yeah. And so he was George Howitt's grandson. And then, uh, let's see, his brother George is now, uh, I guess, apparently in charge of the Bears. And as president of the Bears, he uh, was there when they won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, the the fridge and all that stuff and the great defense. So That's um, when the Super Bowl shuffle came out, Chris. That is correct. Virginia House is still alive 20. at 97. Virginia House is still alive at 97, his mother. So that's amazing. Yeah. And he died of yeah. cancer. And I think if uh, Jamal is uh, ready, we can talk to him about that. Yep. Hey, Jamal. There Hello, folks. Yeah, hey. I got a few things to say while I was waiting for you. But first of all, um, before I talk about Mike McCaskey, a special happy birthday to my father who turned 75 today. Very good. Okay. Hey. And and with that being said about Michael McCaskey, and then I want to talk about college football. First of all, Mr. Now, Michael McCaskey is a very interesting fellow. And he had a very controversial time running the Bears. Although the Bears did win a Super Bowl under his stewardship, a lot of people in the Chicago sports realm blame him for breaking up the Super Bowl team. By not reciting Wilbur Marshall, Wilbur Marshall first became a free agent, and then letting uh, letting coaches walk out the door, and then interfering in draft decisions and making horrible draft picks. <clears throat> Michael McCaskey was not a very very beloved, but can't talk very beloved individual. I mean, God rest his soul. Sorry, the man suffered through cancer. But Michael McCaskey was not a beloved figure in the Chicago sports realm for the years he was running the Bears. Okay. A lot of people blame him for the, the decline of the Bears in the 90s. And at the Super Bowl, between him and the Eagle Maniacal head coach, who was Mike Ditka, the Bears, after 1988, became a cluster. Now, Jamal, Jamal, before you that? before you talk about college football, Mike Ditka also right. was a great singer, wasn't he? Like on "Take Me Out to the Ball Game," remember that? There you oh, go. Lord have mercy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, how do people feel about the Bears being run still by the Hallis family, uh, basically, and George, you know, and the McCaskey well, uh, regime? Uh, there's a lot of people I've heard who like who were happy with. Well, Virginia kicked Michael McCaskey out of. Uh, the CEO ship of the team when he messed up on hiring Dave McGinnis as a coach. He said he, McGinnis was hired and McGinnis didn't agree and that was an investment on the Bears. That's when Mommy took 
uh, the, the toy away from uh, little Mikey right. and gave it to somebody else and gave it to uh, George. To George, yep. But I'm sure you're going to hear a lot of revisionist history of Chicago radio because no one wants to talk stuff about someone passing. Right. And I'm, again, I'm sorry, man, suffered from cancer. Horrible situation. My heart goes out to his family. But I also, but if the truth be told, there's not a lot of Bears fans who were, who were fans of Michael McCaskey either. Okay. So give me your, co- give me your about- college football take real yeah. quick, Jamal. Well, yep. well as, as, I, as I was listening to you all details about college football, it sounds like if you take a look at the SEC and the Big 12, those were in states where you did not have what I would like to call shelter-in-place happy governors. Now, California, of course, you got a governor who is one of the bigger shelter-in-place advocates, even though they're opening up a little bit. And what we interested to see is what's going to happen to Big Ten because if you take a look at the states and where the Big Ten is, you got Michigan, who Whitmer still has that state locked down, and Illinois, where the governor would like to, is probably going to wait to loosen things up until the end of this month. But it's going to be issue. But I think, frankly, college football will be better off. It's playing their stuff in January, and now you try to play in the fall. Yeah, well, you know, I think the one, the biggest problem is you can't have a a playoff system if the SEC plays at one time and the Big Twelve and the ACC play another time, I and mean, it doesn't work. So you got to, you know, the SEC may want to get ready and practice and do all this, but I think they would bow to the the thing, and because you you don't want to lose all that TV oh, money yeah. for the playoffs, oh, yeah. it, it'll end up being at the same yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, it all. Everybody will end up whether it's whether it's starting in September, a shortened conference only season, then a playoff, or whether they do it in January. They're all going to be at the same time. It yeah, all. I have on. a feeling it's going to be January. That's my because apparently you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you're correct on that one, Chris. The yeah. Power Five had a meeting was good. They talked to Roger Goodell also, so that I don't know what came out. Of, meeting, of course, but. of course, if college football doesn't does not play in the fall, that means more NFL games will. will That's will right, and we'll Saturday. probably see triple headers on Saturday one, four, and yep. eight, or whatever right, one thirty, you know, that kind of thing. But we'll college. get to that. Okay. We'll get to that when we need to. And who else, Chris? We, we has, will. Uh, we got more. This, we got a couple yeah, more deaths. Died? Don't worry. We got well. Phyllis George died. She was yep. seventy years old. Uh, born six twenty five forty nine. I checked. Want to see if she was older than me because we're both seventy. Found out she is a little bit. <laughs> she was Miss Texas in nineteen seventy and Miss America in nineteen seventy one. And then she got on onto the NFL today in nineteen seventy five. She was there from seventy five through seventy seven, and then uh, replaced by Jane Kennedy. In 78 and 79, and then Phyllis came back in 80, but she left the show again in 83, uh, you know, uh, for maternity leave. And uh, let's see, she she was the wife of John Y. Brown, who was the governor of Kentucky, and I got a little story about that. Yeah, he's not very well loved in Boston, is he? He is not. Okay, let me tell you what happened, and she was in the middle of this, as we understand it. That was what was said anyway. Um, the Celtics were not real good, but they were getting near a playoff berth in 1979. And right back had built up some, you know, uh, resources with draft picks and this and that. Well, they decided uh, John y- Red was dictated to by John Y. Brown. 
they had to have Bob McAdoo because Bob McAdoo was had played real well against them with the Knicks, and that, so we got to make this trade and get. And this supposedly was Phyllis George's idea. This is what we were told. Whether that was just a story. But anyhow, they did get Bob McAdoo. Uh, they did not make the playoffs. They had a lousy end of the season, you know, broke their momentum. But then Red was able to turn around and get Dick Vitale to take Bob McAdoo off our hands. And, and this is when we had a new owner, Harry Mangorian. Dick Vitale took him off our hands, gave back pretty much the resources, the you know, draft choices. Those resources were used to get Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Ah, uh, yeah. So, don't remind me, Chris. That was an awful <laughs> warrior straight. Oh my God! But it all, but it all worked out for the Celtics. But you know, it's supposedly Phyllis. So we have two media stars involved in this on on both ends. Uh, Phyllis George and then Dick Vitale, and then Vic, Dick Vitale. Yeah. Uh, he's been kidded about that too. That he he blew it and gave the Celtics that, too much that, for Bob McAdoo. Yeah, pretty much. So there you go. To him exiting and then going to work for ESPN. Yeah, well, and started up nineteen eighty. Yeah. But anyway, back to Phyllis George. Back to Phyllis. Yeah. George. Well, that's basically. It and and she died of leukemia and uh, well, you know she and, also apparently did a primetime special in '94 where she interviewed President Clinton and then okay. in '98 she did a talk show on the Pax Network. Yeah, okay, um, and, and she was pretty good. I mean, she was she was not she, she and um, the, she, uh, what was her name? Uh, Dick Stockton's wife. I can't think of her name right now. Uh, Leslie, Leslie Visser. Leslie Visser. They were probably the but, two best women to do that. Well, stuff she back was in before Leslie. She was really right. before Leslie Visser. It was yeah, she was. George was kind of the one that blazed the trail for women in journalism. And then you had Leslie Visser. And then, of course, later on, you saw people like Hannah Storm, who went right. national, who started out down here in Houston. But, I mean, well, Leslie Visser was a globe writer before yeah, she did yeah, that. She was. So, but I'm talking know. nationally. Nationally, Yeah, yeah, but though, no. But I'm saying, yes, yeah, she went national. But she was already a writer. Like, Phyllis George just but, came in, didn't know anything about but, it. Leslie Visser had at least been covering sports George, a little bit. As far as, but as far as on the national scale, Phyllis George, I would say, gets credit as far as blazing the trail for national media. Right. And of course, yeah, a lot one of, of the people, first ones to that, get on. Yeah. That started the stereotype. You know, a lot of people said, oh, they're just there because of the way they look or whatever. And unfortunately, yep. some networks <laughs> have hired people just for the way they look rather than. Yeah, un- unfortunately, they got very they got- talented. There's some very talented female reporters. There's a lot of them out there. And, you know, they've. They've had to overcome that, but there was networks uh, that have done that in the past. ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Mm-hmm. They're notorious uh, so that, for that. But yeah, okay. Like, yeah, that's. And then but one, one, one positive thing on the uh, Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale trade, even though we got Joe Barely cares in return. Yes, that's uh, right. I actually got to meet Robert Parrish. A hell of a nice guy. So that's what I heard. Yep. Uh, Boston, and, and we have a. Boston got a got a good uh, got a good thing okay. out of that. We have one more death, and then the name of a, a mention of a name, and maybe we'll get more information on her uh, later uh, from uh, David uh, USF. But we do have Tony Yates. He, he was 82 years old, Cincinnati uh, Bearcat from 1960 through 63, and so he was a champion in 61 and 62, and uh, then of course went to the finals, lost to Loyola in 63. They had quite a team. Uh, let's see. He then was drafted uh, the fifth round draft choice by the St. Louis Hawks, but he never played in the NBA. And then he was an assistant at Cincinnati from 72 through 74. And then uh, in, at Illinois, he was an assistant as well from 74 through 83. And the head of Cincinnati uh, Bearcats basketball from 83 through 89. 
Uh, I think he kept the job as long as he did because he had been a good player for them because he was 70 and 100. So that's not too good. No, that's um, not too good. And no cause of death was listed. And we got just, and this is, oh, and, and thanks to uh, Marty for this one. Uh, he, he sent it to us. Mary Pratt uh, from the Rockford Peaches, who was uh, one of those uh, League of Our Own uh, teams that we, we heard about. Yeah, he was 101 years too. He was 101 years old, a left-handed pitcher. So uh, we don't have any info on her. Maybe David will find some or not. But and, we, uh, she was the that. one I think that they referred to in the movie. They changed her. She was all the way May in the movie. That, that, that's correct. That's correct. That's okay. She was the one they called all the way May. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and you know what, Marty? If you have more stuff, keep sending it to us. We appreciate it. Yep, that was good. Yes. And okay, that's how, so now that's how our emails use. So good that, job right. there, Marty. Okay, so we have uh, we can start on this day in history, and I've got some other pre- some Preakness winners, some significant ones at the end uh, that we can sure. talk about. But okay. this day in yes. history, May eleventh in uh, nineteen, Hog Allen pitched a no hitter. I don't know anything about him. Cincinnati no, Red. I don't think even Bill remembers him. Nineteen twenty eight. Walter uh, Hagen won uh, the British Open. That was his third British Open. No, they played it early back in those days. That was in uh, May, but that, that's when they did. Okay. Yep. In 63, Sandy Koufax pitched a no-hitter against the Giants, San Francisco Giants. That was third, 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 third no I believe. Yep. Yeah, in 96, Al Leiter pitched the first no-hitter in Florida Marlins history. And, uh, and then we had uh, the Bruins beat the Rangers four games to two to win the Stanley Cup on May 11th in 1972, the second out of three after they won it, we talked about last week, in 70. And uh, then uh, the, the uh, let's see, that was it uh, for that day, I think. Yeah. On the 12th. Uh, yeah, because Indiana, Indiana and Boston were the next day, that's right. Yep. In, um, on the 12th in uh, 1910, Chief Bender pitched a no-hitter for the Philadelphia A's, and and that was against Cleveland. And Bill Deneen was the umpire behind the plate. And Bill Deneen, five years earlier, had pitched a no-hitter himself. So he's the only person ever to umpire behind the plate of a no-hitter and to pitch a no-hitter in baseball Still history, as far as we know. the person to do that. Yeah, no, usually play, now that the players get so much money, they don't uh, just turn around and say, I'm going to be an umpire. I don't think so. Uh, okay. Then in uh, 55, Sam Jones, sad Sam Jones, uh, was the first black player pitcher to pitch a no-hitter. He pitched it for the uh, uh, Cubs against Pittsburgh. And in 56, Carl Erskine pitched a no-hitter. That was his uh, second no-hitter, I think, uh, for Brooklyn. Yes. And in 73, uh, Indiana uh, Pacers beat the Kentucky Colonels four games to three. And uh, that was uh, – and, and I guess they won that in Louisville. So they won the uh, – yeah, they won, won that the Louisville. They haven't won a championship, unfortunately, since. Sorry, Bill. No, that's right. In 74, the Celtics beat Milwaukee four games to three. And that was the series we, we compared the World Series to because there were five uh, road victories in that series. We had all seven in this past World Series with Houston and the Nationals, but the Celtics and, and Bucks uh, rang up five of them. So, the, of course, the Celtics won the game on the road in Milwaukee, four games yeah, to three. I believe that was the last – was that the last team that Kareem was on in Milwaukee, or did he get traded later? I think to he later? was there another year or so. I don't okay. remember exactly yeah. when he got traded. I want to say he didn't get traded for another year or two, but okay. um, that was okay. – that Oscar Robertson was on that team with him, 
by the way. Oh, uh, that's so, right. Okay. So, and then the five, and we were at game six, my friend Rick and I, and our other, our other friend Ralph, we were there game six, and uh, we thought we were going to see a championship win, and, and Havlicek and Kareem went crazy back and forth and you know, in an overtime game, and, and Milwaukee won it at the Garden, but then uh, the Celtics went back to Milwaukee and, and did it. Now, so now, okay. Chris, were, were you the oddball in that group? There was Rick and <laughs> Ralph and Chris. Shouldn't you have been like Rob or Ray or yeah, something Rob like that? Or something. <laughs> you got that right. Okay, yeah. in, o, in 01, A.J. Burnett pitched, uh, uh, walked nine people while he pitched his no-hitter against San Diego. I think, again, that that was for the Marlins. That reminds yeah, me. They, person, yeah, it was for the Marlins against the Pond, and he was the first and only person to walk every walk nine different batters. He didn't walk a player twice. He walked each batter that he faced at least once, but he still pitched no hitter. That yeah. reminds me of the Edwin Jackson no hitter uh, that happened, uh, you know, uh, a few years back, where I think he struck out ten and ended up walking like eight people or something. It was okay. Yeah. Okay. On May 13th, and we had a very uh, light scorecard on this, and we've gotten more and more stuff on May 13th. You wouldn't believe all the things that happened on May 13th. Uh, George Brett hit, hit, got his 3,000th hit, which was also his 300th home run at the same at-bat. That's pretty cool. We were talking earlier about people who had the ones we remember that had home runs on their 3,000 hit was were Wade Boggs and, uh, and uh, Derek Jeter, and now George Brett, we can add to that. And that's pretty unusual, but to get your 300th home run on that hit, that's pretty cool. And, you know, when you think about George Brett, you don't think it's so much about home runs, but, you know, the two things uh, happened in Yankee Stadium with him. He had a big home run in the 1980 playoffs that really clinched it for the Royals when they finally beat the Yankees. The Royals had lost them in 77 and 78, and then George Brett hit that home run. They swept them three games to none. They'd won the first two in Kansas City. And, and the Yankees through. also beat them in 76, didn't they, Chris? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The 76 yeah. and 77. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what and 70, yeah, 78. There were three, uh, three years in a row they beat yeah. them. But they finally did get them, and then uh, that was the year, of course, they went to the World Series and lost to the Phillies. And then in 85, he was at bat with the t- Pine Tower incident. Yes. So that was, you know, and that was, uh, that was, he was called out and so forth. So And, of, and was, of course, Iowa's Tim McClellan was the plate umpire. West Des Moines, Iowa's that's Tim correct. McClellan. That's, that's correct. Okay. Okay, and then on, oh, and then this is this one uh, David USF gave us Derek Fisher in 2004. This would have been a Sunday afternoon game. Derek Fisher won uh, a game against uh, San Antonio. Tim Duncan had scored to put the uh, the Spurs ahead with a point four yeah. left, and then Derek Fisher hit uh, was it a three pointer? I don't know. I don't know. It was three or two. Yeah, it was four, he, point, was four tenths of a second left. Right with yes, well he he did it at the buzzer, but Duncan's was four tenths, I think. And so Al Michaels and, and Doc Rivers and, yeah, were on the call. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yep, that that's right. So anyway, uh, yeah, uh, two see. shots within four tenths of a second. Yeah, back mm-hmm. to back, which has never happened in the NBA. I don't think. That, I believe that's the only time it's ever occurred. Now, another thing that came along about May 13th, and again, thanks to Marty for this one, May 13th of 1958, Stan Musial got his 3,000th hit against the Cubs in Wrigley Field. I've heard that call with the kind of young-sounding Harry Carey doing it. Yes. And, uh, you know, and that, that's pretty cool. And, uh, and an interesting stat that Marty gave us, Stan Musial had 3,630 hits and half of them at home and half of them away. That is that's correct. 15, 15 yeah. each. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was uh, the deal for that. And then on uh, May 14th in uh, 67, uh, we had Ma- Mickey Mantle hit his 500th home run. 
In 72, Willie Mays hit a home run uh, against the Giants, and that uh, meant that he was hitting it against his former team. He had just been traded uh, to the Mets from the Giants. and that We're going to be talking ne- next week about people who retired uh, too early. He retired too late. Yeah, I read that autobiography, and he, he even admits he hung on too long, Chris. Yeah. And then on, on May 14th in 1981, the Celtics beat Houston four games to two to win their first Larry Bird championship and uh, their 12th overall. And uh, when they, when they, and I was running this down uh, for the group earlier, that uh, they won two titles against Houston, uh, but, and they beat the Lakers the one time, but they lost two to the Lakers. So that was Larry Bird was three and three in the finals. And ironically, and also with Houston, they beat them with Bill Fitch coaching them. And then yep. they beat him with Bill Fitch coaching Houston. That's right. <laughs> yep. That's right. That happened in 86. So, anyway, the Celtics won it in Houston on that Thursday night, four games to two. And then um, on in 1977, uh, Montreal swept the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup, four games to none uh, uh, at uh, Boston Garden. And then uh, Walter Johnson won his 300th game against Detroit also on that day, in May 14th, in 1920, I think it was. Yeah, and in 96. Uh, Dwight Gooden had a no-hitter against Seattle. So uh, that was a big day. And then May 15th, uh, in 41, Joe DiMaggio started his 56-game hitting streak that we all have heard so much about. Yes. In 1948, and we'll have some more Preakness winners coming up in a minute, but Citation won his won his Preakness to, as the second jewel of the Triple Crown that he won. Uh, and then in 60, uh, Don Cardwell pitched a no-hitter for the Cubs, he had just been traded from the Phillies. He's the first person to ever pitch a no-hitter right after, in the first game he, he uh, played after being traded. He pitched it against the Cardinals. the only one. Yeah, the only one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so let's fun. see. And see, he had been traded from Philadelphia. And uh, let's see. I think now we can move on to oh. – um, you got some more there, Sean? No, I think – wasn't there 73 with uh, oh, Nolan 70, Ryan? 71. Oh, Nolan yeah. Nolan Ryan pitched the first of his seven no-hitters. That's right. So then, on uh, for some Preakness winners in '71, Ken and Arrow. Well, before the second. that, hold on. Uh, there's okay. something yesterday that happened. Oh, okay. Uh, I was telling you about this in 2011. A document was uncovered on May 16th in Pennsylvania, and remember that it was shot down because people always they put the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, Abner Doubleday, even though it was proven that he was that may not have been where baseball started. There was a document uncovered from 1791 with a rule saying that you could not play baseball near the schoolhouse because they didn't want people breaking the window. Right. Okay. And so that meant there was a game baseball. It may have had not much to do with the uh, with rounders or whatever that they always talk about, but uh, you know they they did have it. And of course, we know that Pennsylvania invented groundhogs. So, you know, that, yeah. that goes right in there with yeah. that. Okay. May 15th in 71, Cannonero the second one. The, uh, and what I'm doing, I'm not running down every Preakness for, like we did with the Derby, but I'm running down the ones where uh, something significant happened or a significant horse won it, and uh, especially the ones where they won the first two and then didn't win the Triple Crown, you know, or were on their way to the Triple Crown. So Cannonero the second had won the Derby. In 99, Charismatic won it, and, of course, uh, that was his second uh, jewel of the Triple Crown. And in 04, Smarty Jones won, and he that was his first two, and then they did not win the those three lost. And we'll, when we do the Belmonts, we'll, we'll talk about the ones that beat them. That's, cause that's, and uh, and in, 09, in 09, Calvin Burrell is a jockey. He switched horses, but he won the second 
uh, he won the Freakness. I he won the Freakness that day. Huh? On, okay. On May 16th in 53, Native Dancer won it. Now, he, a dark star, had won the Derby, but Native Dancer was a sire of many horses and uh, grandfather, whatever, Northern Dancer and Dancer's Image and these different horses you'd hear about through the years. So he was a very famous horse that uh, earned a lot of stud fees and won a lot of races himself, I think. Because back then, they'd keep racing them, too. You know, nowadays, they retire yeah. them as soon as they win. But, you know, there, there were horses that would keep racing in the Sylvia stud. So in 64, uh, Northern Dancer, there you go. Uh, one of his uh, progeny won the Derby. I mean, the Preakness. In 81, it was Pleasant Colony, and I think that he had won the Derby, so that's two for yeah. him of the, the non-Triple Crown. 87, Ali Sheba, same deal. Yep. 98, Real Quiet. You remember him? He, he won his second race. And in 15, American Pharaoh, on his way to the Triple Crown, won the Preakness uh, on that date. And May 17th, today, in 47, and this is one, this is always a good story, Faultless won the, the, the race. And he beat Jet Pilot. Now, the deal was that uh, Clem McCarthy, who was calling the race, Bill Stern was his color man, and Clem McCarthy was calling the race, and he called it wrong. He didn't see, you know, the, he, they, something obscured it, and he couldn't see it. They even saw in the film why Clem didn't see it. And then he said, ladies and gentlemen, I've made a terrible mistake. The winner of this race is faultless. And I called Jet Pilot, and I am sorry. I'm, and so Bill Stern says to him on break, he says, oh, Clem, you know, happens to the best of us, you know, don't worry about it. And, and the other thing Clem said before he went off was, well, Babe Ruth struck out once in a while, and I guess I, I, I struck out right here. So Bill Stern says to him on break, oh, yeah, well, a tough break. I mean, we all miss him. He says, well, Bill, you can't lateral a horse because Bill Stern was famous for calling a lateral to somebody. Uh, they, he misidentifies somebody, and, then, and now it's lateral to Jones, and he scores, and it was Jones all the time, you know, and nobody could see it. It was on the radio, so Bill Stern right. wasn't that good. So no. he, he had no room to talk. Clem McCarthy was wonderful as a great boxing announcer and a race caller. In 1958, Tim Tam won the, the Preakness, second jewel of the Triple Crown. He had won the Derby. In 69, same deal, Majestic Prince. 97, Silver Charm, you remember him. And in 03, um, Funny Side. And in 08, Big Brown. It's amazing how many won the first two. And, uh, and yeah. then California Chrome in, in 14. So it took a long time to get another uh, Triple Crown winner, as we know. But uh, that's it's amazing. That's because the Belmont is the, lo is the longest race. It's longer. So yeah. we were going to try to we'll honor those horses we, who beat those know, guys. Yeah, it went forty-eight to seventy-three, and then of course you had yeah. three and five years. Seventy-three and, and seventy-seven, seventy-eight, and then fifteen. Right. right. So right. those are those are some of the ones post-war that won the, the two and a couple of other interesting stories. So I think I'm finally done. I think yeah. we're done. So all Sean, right. Sean, why don't you hit the wrap up? All right. Well, we want to thank all of our callers and listeners, and everybody. And remember, if you want to email us anytime throughout the week, Sports Lounge at allthingsradio.net and remember we will read the email so don't put anything personal in there also you can leave a voicemail 800-693-0595 option number two you can download the podcast uh, legendoldies.com or have it delivered to you directly at uh, sports lounge live three words you know just type in sports lounge live and it'll you know for podcast it'll deliver podcast directly to you and your podcatcher you can also do that for all things radio three words and wednesday coffee the two words in there now you can also listen 
3006. Option number nine is Sports Lounge Live. Option eight is All Things Radio. However, the newest podcast on that option right now is the 15th Anniversary Extravaganza. That's right. It is on there. So if and that is also for those of you for all things radio, it's listed as the newest podcast when you download it or when you go get on Legend, you know. But it's so you hit that, and if you have not heard the latest edition of All Things Radio, just hit the pound key and it'll go to the next one. Coffee Club Option Seven, uh, Twin Spin Tuesday Option Six, Classic Country Show Option Five, Country Gospel Option Four. Some old-time radio on option three. Hopefully they're getting fixed. Uh, option two, a podcast from the Indiana School for the Blind Alumni. And option one is announcements for the Indiana School for the Blind Alumni. So check those all out. And we just want to say next week we will see what rumors we have about all the sports. We'll have a few more sporting events to talk about that are live. And I guess... And we'll even talk, we'll wrap up Michael Jordan from last week and this week as well. We'll, yeah, time. we'll talk about retired players who retired too early, if we can get to that. Yep. And do a few more preknesses because some of those will come up on those dates. We'll get some of those in. And uh, who knows and what there'll be, And there'll be more NASCAR and the golf next week. Correct. Yep, NASCAR and golf. And, uh, see you next week. So we'll see you next, see you next week.